Hey, y'all, if you're enjoying this podcast, take two seconds, send it to five friends. Um, Some of the top episodes would be the self-confidence, masculinity, and the Byron Rogers podcast if you want to send uh, some of the top ones to them. Otherwise, just take 30 seconds and review it on whatever podcast uh, application you use, whether it be Spotify, YouTube, Google, iTunes, Amazon, any of them. Thank you. Today's podcast is brought to you by AssaultLimited.com. Even when you aren't saying anything, you're saying something. Let your gear say the right thing for you. That's where Assault Limited comes in. Assault Limited offers tactical versions of things you use every day. The Assault Pen is a great quality, intimidating looking pen with a pinpoint tip used for self-defense or to break glass. The Assault Spork has so many different tactical uses, we only have time to highlight a few. It's a spoon, a fork, a wrench, a carabiner, and a bottle opener. The possibilities are endless. The Assault Pencils and the Assault Straws, well, they both look pretty badass and they both tell political correctness to take a long jump off a short bridge when you need things and you want them to be the best quality while issuing a statement to anyone else who sees look at assaultlimited.com also sponsoring today's podcast is urban savage urbnsvg.com the best quality apparel available american made t-shirts and sweatshirts that fit great with the quality that will outlast the creepy battery bunny The Date Night Tee, which is the badass's version of the subtle embroidered logo t-shirt that so many of us grew up with. And the hats are 100% American made, not just embroidered here like so many others. Ooh, and those sweatshirts are so damn comfy. The next time you're thinking about scoring a new piece of gear, remember to check out urbnsvg.com. Last but not least, today's podcast is brought to you by A3 Body Protectant. A3 was designed when Martin noticed that Hawaiian surfers who spend their entire lives in the sun had radiant, healthy skin. After plenty of awkward questions about how seriously they take their skin care, he learned the secrets. Hawaii's best secret is now available at A3Equip.com. That's A3EQUIP.com. A3 is a truly natural cream that can be used as a skin lotion, a lip balm, a hair conditioner, honestly, anywhere you want to keep moist and healthy get yours today at a3equip.com all doctors to the er do these guys have any idea what they are talking about talking about talking about get squared away spiritual get squared away emotional get squared away mental Get squared away. Physical. The podcast that'll help you get squared away. All right, we are back with episode 45. It was supposed to be episode 44, but um, this is a PSA, a public service announcement to everybody out there. When you're cleaning your computer, make sure you don't need the files that you delete because after you empty your trash, they're gone forever. Bet you Tim Cook's probably listening to it. Dude, he probably is. He's like, these guys got something. They know what the hell they're talking about. Yeah. But we're going to bury it. He's in a silk robe in his fireplace blaring, listening to uh, Squared Away. What is, yeah, exactly. So, um, Tell me about your tell me about your lottery ticket. The story you just told me. Oh my gosh! Oh, we we're just yeah talking about uh, Chinese New Year, and I was my mom lives in Hong Kong, and they're somewhat superstitious, and she's in whatever numerology. So I think they look at the different years and say, like, this is your year, or this is a year you should just bury a hole and you know not leave. So apparently, twenty twenty one November was like my month. And my mom told me, you know, you should really go buy a lottery ticket. 
And, uh, you know, to be honest, I never bought a lottery ticket before, so I didn't know what the hell to do. So <clears throat> I went by Google, didn't help me. I ended up at Walmart and realized they don't give out lottery tickets. So I went to uh, the grocery store. As I was checking out, I was like, oh, hey, there's you can buy one at the whatever that service counter is. And I picked uh, the, I said, I'll take the one with the most. I think it was Mega Millions and uh, Powerball. Or both like it was a something astronomical, like 300 some million bucks. And uh, I buy, I, I said, Give me two of them each. I got numbers for both and didn't win. So I tell my mom's like, Oh, uh, I guess it didn't work. And she's like, Well, you got to wear red underwear and then you know, go buy a ticket. I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> so I did. So the next time I went, I made sure I had you know, red underwear on and bought the numbers. Nope, didn't work. Still and, nothing. And I'm thinking in my head, well, if I keep telling my mom, I'm going to end up dressed like, like a clown with rabbit's feet and everything else. No, no, no. You got to make sure that you didn't wash your hair for three days yeah. and you brushed your teeth twice in the morning with red toothpaste. You're standing on one leg as you're buying the numbers. So needless to say, I didn't want any of that shit. So, Oh, superstition failed. Yep. That's so, all right, though. I didn't tell her after that. It was just like, I think she assumes I didn't win anything. Yeah. Yeah, she'd probably know. Yeah. She'd know if you won. Yep. So, scratch that one. Right? All right. What else we got going on? Anything else in the... In the... I had two public service announcements, but I can't remember what the other one was. You can't. Has it got something to do with Tim Cook? No, it doesn't have anything to do with Tim Cook and his <laughs> and his satin silk robes. Oh, it's got to something to do with away. Joe Rogan. <laughs> oh my God, I will Poor give guy. I will give Joe Rogan all the credit in the world because he handled that so nicely. The way with the reply, the very the very well thought out reply. You can see it took a few days, right? He wanted to see what was going on, and just the well thought out, very eloquent very open armed reply to anyone that was upset with him. And he was not mad at them for being upset with him. He was very, tried to very much clarify that, you know, these people that he has on his podcast are, are very intelligent in their fields and they may have different opinion, differing opinions from the, you know, average person. But, um, and he was very open to the changes Spotify wants to make with putting a, you know, a warning, a disclaimer, a disclaimer in front of those podcasts that they're just opinions and opinions of uh, what did he say? Opinions that are or you should consult your um, professional physician or yeah. whatnot about these opinions. But to me, it's like, do you really need to have that? I think that it's a it's a it's a negotiating tactic right and it's spotify knows that they will they don't want not extricate not extricate that's not the right that's not the right word but they know that they'll that they'll upset a portion of their audience no matter what they do right so they're trying to get out of it uns, as unscathed as possible so they're saying okay what changes can we make that don't make us look like idiots in the joe rogan fans eyes but also make us look like we care in the, you know, Joe Rogan haters club eyes. And so that's something that doesn't necessarily, you're right. Do they need it? No, but it's something that they can do that is kind of giving up a little bit to make the other, you know, the other people feel good, yeah. but is not negatively impacting the people that listen. Yeah. I'll give them that. You got to negotiate, I guess. So 
Yeah. And then, you know, if it, if it's, if nobody's happy, then it's probably the right move. Right. Isn't that the, one of the kind of ideas of negotiating? Yeah. 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 Uh, what's next? The midterms of this year, the midterms I just are wanted this to year. Bring up, there's 30 vets that are uh, going for uh, Congress. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, six seals and about 10 uh, SF guys. So, so yeah, and guess what? They're all red. <laughs> well, I mean, that's weird. It's got, I mean. Unless Tulsi Gabbard goes and, you know, yeah. now you got uh, somebody on the blue side. but She's pretty, uh, what's the word? She's a pretty, pretty center blue, isn't she? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think they booted her out because she wouldn't take any funding. Yeah. Well, so. I mean, that that was that was ever, what everybody loved about Trump, right? Is he didn't have like he he didn't take didn't yeah. take money from from big special interests. Yeah. Now, if he could have just controlled that ego, it would have been a whole different ball game. But we knew who he was. We've wa- we've all watched the TV show. Yeah. Was anybody surprised? Yeah. But apparently, everybody was surprised after he got in. But yeah, I, w- I was behind a car today, and then the lady had a two big ass bumper stickers for Frank's speech. Right. You know what Frank's speech is. That's the it's I guess he was trying to make a social media, but it's not really a social media. It's more like a media company for um, the MyPillow guy. What's his name? Oh, Mike Lindell. Mike Lindell. It's Mike Lindell. So it's like you signed up for it and you get emails and you got all these updates and texts and stuff. Legitimately, within three days, it turned into all MyPillow advertisements. Like, I'm sure there's still content on there for the people that are like for the people that actually log into it and go find it. I'm sure there's good content on there. I'm not knocking the content. Yeah, I had to stop it because it was like three times a day i'm getting texts about like new my pillow sh- oh, bed sheet really? sales and oh man i, b- I bought a couple <clears throat> sets of sheets and they're they are awesome are they nice they are really nice that's that's good i mean i i didn't haven't knocked any of the guy's stuff i have a my pillow but it's just a little tiny little back pillow for your uh computer chair that my mom gave me oh it's got it's a like- yeah, that no, my mom work. gave it to me for Christmas, probably because she wanted to buy me a my pillow, but didn't want to spend seventy bucks or whatever they are. So she's like, "I'll buy this little twenty dollar one." <laughs> I don't know what he's going to use it for, but I'll oh. buy this little twenty dollar one. Wow, I didn't know they had that. Yep. Um, so yeah, so we got midterms. Um, if you're listening in Wisconsin, they are going to be. They're already fighting hard for Ron Johnson's seat. Hard. Totally. Oh yeah, they're advertising. You know. Ron Johnson said he was only going to be in for two terms and now he's running again. That's not a man of his word. Uh, yeah, I saw this crap boy's blown up on my phone that, you know, he represents a swamp, but I just saw something that he just had like a five hour. Uh, yeah, five, call it COVID uh, second opinion. That's yeah. what they called it. And I thought that was really good. I was all, I thought, man, that's pretty anti swamp of him to do that. Yeah. So, you know, everything he's done has been. That kind of anti, you know, well, that, and that's elitist. the problem, right? Some one of these days, man, one of these days, I'm going to put in when I have a week off or a week to actually to put into to podcast prep more than I do now. We're going to do the the myth of pure evil podcast because that's a lot of the thing with, and if we all could understand more about that whole idea, I think politics would be a lot better because, like. Ron Johnson, let's say doing what he does is not doing it to hurt other people 
just because you don't agree with what he does. He's not intentionally trying to hurt people. He thinks that what he's doing is positive. And a lot of people think that what he's doing is positive. And the people that are on the other side, they like demonize. And we, you know, people on the right do the same with the people on the left. And they don't understand that the people on the left aren't, they don't, they're not specifically doing things to you if you're a Republican voter. They're not doing things to hurt you. They're doing things because they think that that is the that is the most right thing to do from their opinion. And we all have our opinions. We all have our, our ideas of what right is. And then there's another step past that. We have our ideas of what right is. And then we have our ideas of how to achieve it. Yeah. Right. And that's where the diff, that's where we differ a lot is on how to achieve it. Like they're not like, let's take all the money from all the rich people because they don't deserve it. Well, there is a few people like that, but we're talking in generalities there. They think that giving money to a bunch of people that don't have it is going to help them versus the people on the right think that helping those people learn how to be independent and take care of themselves are going to help yeah. them. But the whole, the idea is the same. You want to help the weakest part of your, of your population. And if we can stop demonizing the other side and, and really try to have a conversation, which the far right and the far left are never going to be on the same fucking page. But realistically, that doesn't equal a lot of our country. A lot of our a majority of our country is, you know, if we're on a scale of one to 10, they're probably, you know, somewhere from a 7.5 to a 3.5. And they're, yeah. all, and they're all in that middle area. But you can't apply that to somebody like AOC, Pelosi. I think you can. I think I, you can. I think they are on the pure evil side. I don't think there is a bone in their body that's saying, wow, I want to do great in my district. I think that it's a combination of what they think is right combined with. So what what do they think is right? They think that like AOC thinks that taking all the money from all of the people that have it and giving it to all of the poor ish people or, you know, marginalized um races and stuff like that is going to make the is going to make the whole country better. I think she's just repeating a narrative because she had does no action at all, especially for her district. And she's just in it because she was a puppet. And now that her uh, campaign manager is left, she can't answer a single damn question. She can't do an interview. So here's this is what I was saying is I think it's a combination of them doing what they think is right. And I think a lot of times they're they're coming from a faulty premise combined with an ego that they have no control of. And so somebody like that, she would never be able to say, I don't know what I'm doing. I shouldn't even be here. It was, you know, my campaign manager is the main reason I'm here. I think they're just self-serving. They get their salary on top of, you know, what they're, you know, getting under the table. Yeah. I think Pelosi is pretty much in this to pat herself. And she might be, but I think that she, I don't think that you get to that point without thinking that you're doing something right. I don't know, man. You're going to have to do a little research on this one. And there's, the idea is there. And the, even if you are explaining away to yourself what you're doing and you are convincing yourself of it being right, you are not purposefully damaging other people and then sleeping well at night. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> We're going to have to think about that one, either that or, you know. But like you understand it, you understand it from the, from the, um, from the idea of like um, Islam and the Taliban, right? Like they think they're, they're, it's some of the stuff that they do is horrific. 
Yeah, but they, they are think completely convinced. Allah. They are completely convinced in their head and their heart that they're doing something right. They're doing yeah. what is right. Now, you and I can agree that that is not right, but in, they're not doing it because they're like, I want to be a murderous, you know, hateful person. They're doing it because they are completely convinced because of their upbringing and their brainwashing or whatever that they're doing something right. And that that's kind of the that's the idea of the myth of pure evil. And, and they, it's a generality. So you can't say there is no pure because yeah. there are definitely, you know, psychotic people out there that are 100 percent sociopaths. Pelosi. <laughs> fair. All right. I'll give Islam a step above Pelosi. That's fair. OK. I mean, I, I, I think that it really does not necessarily Pelosi, but somebody that's doing something that they think is right and, and true to their values, even if I fucking hate their excuse me, their values. Um, there's a, there's an ounce of respect there, right? Because they are being true to what they believe. Even if I disagree 100% no. with what they believe, they are being true. All right. I, I don't respect the terrorists, so <laughs> <laughs> we can agree to disagree that one. That's fair. That's I, fair. I don't respect Pelosi either. And I, ever since she drew in her eyebrows, I respect her even less. I like... Um, I, we're already 14 minutes in, um, my favorite part of, of, of the whole California elite gubernatorial Congress Senate is their entire inability to see that they're elitists. Like, (laughs) like we're going to close. Yes. Like we're going to close down the entire state. And say that you should not be going to public. And then we're legitimately like the same week going to go to like a public birthday party. Yeah. Like you have to see the hypocrisy. <laughs> how oh. do you not see? How are you so blind to the hypocrisy? So after he gets caught and apologizes. So this past weekend, he's at the the Los Angeles Rams game. 80,000 people. And for some reason, he can't figure out that people are taking videos and pictures. I don't understand it. He's like, oh, they love me. And he's like, I just took my mask off for, you know, for a minute. Well, he hadn't had his mask on the whole game. (laughs) What is wrong with this guy? See, just, uh, that's why I think he's a psycho. He might, he might be a sociopath. He might 100% be a sociopath. he's got to be. And there are, there are, there's a good amount of sociopaths. And like we've talked about in the podcast before, one of the biggest things that leads to a sociopath is no father. And I don't, you know, I'm not saying that he doesn't, I'm not saying that he doesn't, but the studies have shown like, which is so odd to me that the father who's like the stern one generally, um, have not having that father figure leads to a higher percentage of sociopathic behavior. But then you start to think deeper into it and it makes sense because a father, um, holds you accountable. Whereas a mother is generally that like mother's love, right? Like they love you whether you're doing right or wrong. They just, they want you to do right and they want you to be happy, but they love you whether you're doing right or wrong. Whereas like father doesn't not love you, but he holds you to, he holds you accountable. Right. And so the empathy is, is built because of that accountability. I think this is my speculation on the studies, but. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to give them the uh, myth of pure evil. They think think what they're doing is totally okay. He's in the psycho corral. They think what they're doing is totally okay. (laughs) All right. This week's podcast. This week's podcast. Back to the basics, which is funny because we talked about this with Dustin three or four times. 
I mentioned how that was our podcast that was supposed to release this week. I had catastrophic computer failure. That is not, that's a lie. I deleted the files on accident and had no idea how to get them back. Spent like an hour, two hours trying to find them. They're gone. Um, And so now we're going to do the podcast after we talked about it with Dustin and told Dustin that we already did the podcast. (laughs) So um, the idea of, of back to the basics, I want to start with, you know, I have the the Kobe Bryant story, right? And, and this story is one of my, I'm not, I'm not a huge basketball um, guy, but we all know who Kobe Bryant is. And this, this comes from the book. um, Shoot. What was the book? This book, Raise Your Game by Alan Stein Jr. And Alan Stein Jr. is a basically a high-end basketball trainer. So like a skills trainer, not necessarily a coach, but he works with um, high school, college, and NBA players and kind of gets them to the next level and works in camps and all these different things. And he's at this, he's at this camp and he sees Kobe and he's always heard about Kobe's legendary workouts. And this is right in the time, like after Michael Jordan and before LeBron, when Kobe was like the guy in the NBA and he goes up to Kobe and he's like, Hey man, I've, I've heard about these awesome workouts. Do you mind if I come watch one? And he's like, yeah, no problem. I'm working out at four. And he's like, I, we have uh, you know, this so-and-so meeting at four and he's like, no, 4am tomorrow. And he's like, all right, sounds good. So he gets up at like 3.15 and his whole idea is like, I'll get up at 3.15. I'll get to the court by 3.30. Like I'm going to, you know, I'm going to beat Kobe there. And he goes walking in and he hears shoes and basketballs bouncing around at 3.30 when he goes in and he walks in and Kobe's already on the court and he's already got a lather, right? Like he's already warmed up and he's ready. Yeah. So quietly goes up into the stands and he watches this workout and this workout is, is, is intense. But for the first 45 minutes of the workout, it looks like, I mean, it looks like a master doing a high school basketball workout. It's all basic skills. It's dribbling and footwork and all this stuff where it's just like, Holy shit. I mean, the guy does it amazing, right? But it's but it's just all these little basic skills. And he finishes the workout and he gets done and he, and he has a chance later in the day to talk to Kobe. And he's like, man, like you are the best basketball player in the NBA. What are you doing spending 45 minutes every workout on the basics? And Kobe looks at him and he goes, why do you think I'm the best basketball player in the NBA? And like yeah. right there, that's when it like clicked in my head like, This idea of back to the basics and perfecting the basics, like that's what mastery is. Mastery is being able to understand the basics so well that you are able to put them together, right? Being able to play each note on an instrument so perfect that you can blend them together and and play a song or even like, let's talk about, you know, like a jazz musician, like a riff, right? Like, if you've ever never heard of a real jazz musician riff, it's glorious because he's just flowing in his head. He doesn't have anything in his mind. He's not reading off of music. He's going one to another to another to another, and it's beautiful. But if he didn't have the if, if that wasn't so built into his muscle memory, he it would sound choppy, right? It would never flow right. one to another. And that's this whole whole idea of bas- back to the basics. Right? Like success lies in the masterful consistency around the fundamentals. And I just, it doesn't matter 
what you, what your um vocation is right it doesn't matter if you are a military special operator if you are a accounts receivable person if you are a welder if you're a fucking truck driver perfecting the basics and spending the time to build the muscle memory which we all like not we all but a lot of us want to get to that next level right we like i'm i'm adequate at this skill i want to move on to the next level i'm adequate at this i want to move on to the next level and you can't because you have to be so perfect at those little things because the little things are what build up big things yeah like you have you have history of it right in your you know in your past yeah i mean if you're talking about you know whether it's shooting or i was in a somebody was asking about jujitsu last couple of days it's everything starts off as a basic in shooting even if you've gone through a sniper school and you get out and 10 years you know, later you haven't touched you know uh a weapon system and also you just decide you're just going to go well it doesn't matter your muscle memory is not going to be there so it takes a, a thousand rounds like we talked about last week with cap it takes a thousand rounds to get your muscle memory going but you got to keep regularly practicing your basics and same thing in jujitsu you know you're always practicing basic movement and just to get your body to keep using that muscle memory and if you just stop doing it um, then you're going to lose it so yeah it's a there's a there's a fine line where i think people want to get too uh fancy and get too crazy or they want to google the next uh, uh whatever youtube's going to show them is the, the oh, what's the fancy move or it's even like exercise yeah you know, what's the new fancy smoking gadget i mean how many gadgets have we seen you know what is that one that you put in between your thighs oh the thigh master oh right? the thigh master yeah. suzanne summers or something yeah and you squeeze it it's like yeah, all of these are just iterations of what you can just be basically doing a sit-up or basically doing a push-up or a pull-up. And, you know, people just need to realize you need to be able to do that before you start moving on and advancing. And it's and even, you know, even extrapolating on the ideas of fitness and, and the basics, right? Like, you want to get stronger, you are going to have to lift more weights. Yeah. More weight, whatever that is. You're going to have to lift more Wait, you want to lose weight? You're going to have to eat less calories, right? Like these are the basics. Now we yeah. can get detailed and nuanced past that. How, you know, rep ranges and what kind of calories are you eating and macro breakdowns, but like the 80% of the of the iceberg that's under the water is the one big basic thing. Eat less, lift more. Yeah run f- more, run faster, you know, like yeah. whatever your goal is. Yes. There, there's going to be all these pretty little, you know, that last 20% from 80 to hundred percent, right? Oh, yeah. That last 20% is going to be pretty and it's going to be gadgets and it's going to be, let's say like hockey, right? I played hockey growing up and realistically now looking back, I wish I would have had the shittiest stuff and I wish that I would have learned from day one that sitting, you know, on a piece of fake ice at my house and practicing my puck handling skills for an hour a night would have done way more in two months than it took to beg my dad for the best skates. 
Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. But I, but, but I would always like, and I, and I had this all the way growing up. I wanted to be a skateboarder. I'd have the best, you know, I'd have the best skateboard, not the best, but I'd have a good, a good equipment. Right. Yeah. Because otherwise I would blame, I would blame my shitty abilities on my equipment instead of taking personal responsibility that I didn't put in the time to be great. Yeah. No, exactly. It's, it's same thing with, uh, you know, with weaponry. You know, there's so many gun nuts out there, and it's, it's funny because uh, a lot of special operators get approached by, you know, kids or even adults, and they automatically assume that, well, if you're a special operator, well, you're probably shooting the best. So I'm going to ask you, what what did they shoot? And I hate seeing ads where they're like, you know, Green Berets use this because, oh, really? Did they? Did they really go to the cage and just get, you know, distributed? Yeah. yeah. A fucking oh, $6,000 Daniel defense. Wall. Yeah. Yeah. No, you got the the shittiest. I think uh, you know we were given a Knights Madar, which I don't even know what the company evolved to now, but a piece of shit that you use a you know a file file and file it down, tape stuff to it. I think I, I was using rubber bands to rubber band uh, tourniquets to the stock. You know, yeah. it's it's nothing pretty, but it's the operator that makes that weapon deadly. It's not the weapon that makes the operator deadly. So. I mean, if the, if it was that case where the weapon was, well, then you're looking at these terrorists that half the time they don't understand what a blowback from an RPG is. And, you know, they shoot themselves right out of a window. <laughs> so I think you can there's all kinds of funny videos online. You can, you know, find that shit. But uh, and, and when you understand the basics, like in that type of situation, um, when you understand how something works to to the to the number one you know, most amazing detail, you are able to get creative. And once you understand everything of how something works, you, you, you are able to accomplish things that the person who just has the, the basic knowledge of how something works. So my brother, my brother has a, a good buddy who was, they were basically locked down and there was, there was guys above them. So they were in a, I think they were on a, um, on a, on a single floor and there was a window and there was guys that above them. So they couldn't get out. And then there were guys in the hallway. And so they wanted to get out and go out the window, but they had no, no way. Right. Cause the guys above them can just basically shoot right down. And yeah. so his, his buddy taped a claymore to a broom handle and like put it up and fired the claymore up on the fucking second level and basically blew his entire eardrums out and like totally fucked himself, but saved his entire group of guys and yeah. got him out of there. But if he didn't understand how all of those things work, he never would have had that thought. Oh yeah. He never would have had that idea. Yeah. And a lot of times, I mean, you got to start with the, the shittiest component possible. I mean, guys that run out there, like you said, you know, buy a $6,000 Daniel defense unit. Well, how are you going to know what kind of pull you want in your trigger? Yeah. You know, how do you know what's a heavy pull? Yeah. Unless you have a piece of shit there and you're like, wow, okay, well, you know, I'd like my pull a little, a little lighter than this. Yeah. And, uh, but you're never going to know. And I have a Daniel Defense. You know what it does? It sits in the fucking, it sits in my gun cabinet because it's too nice. <laughs> really? I have a truck gun that I built for like 600 bucks. <laughs> you throw in the backseat of the truck and just take wherever, right? Because yeah. you don't give a, you don't give a shit. Yeah. That's yeah, collector's pieces, right? Yeah, right. Like it just sits there. I'm like, ooh, this thing's really pretty. Shoots really nice. Yeah. I'm never just gonna throw it in the fucking seat of the truck. Yeah. It's nice to have a Ferrari sometimes. But yeah. you know, I mean, these people that get into it, it's kinda like golfers, right? If if I start golfing, which I suck at it, 
you know, I see some golfers just start and they go buy the absolute most expensive clubs. Does that make them a better golfer? No, I mean, I've used some expensive clubs, not mine, because I wouldn't pay that kind of money for it. But it doesn't matter whether I got really, really good clubs or whether I have some like wooden Sam Sneed clubs from a garage sale. I'll suck either way. So I just need to get better with the worst clubs. And I'm sure I'm sure there's I'm sure there's a way that we could find this kind of um, kind of idea in a lot of things. But in golf clubs, the more expensive you get, generally the harder they are to hit because because those clubs are built for people who have their swing so perfected that they can make one little tweak and draw the ball or make one little tweak and hook the ball or they can flick their wrist a different way and give it a backspin. And those clubs are made for that. Whereas if you or I with like our swing is not the same every time. I'm lucky if the fucking oh, ball yeah. goes anywhere close to the same way. We need like big cavity back forgiving clubs. Or yeah, cheater tees. I have cheater tees. Yeah, sure. You tee the ball up. No, it's they're literally cheater tees. Really? It looks like a uh, half moon cup. It's made out of plastic. Yeah. So when you, it's got a tee on it. So it looks like a tee with a big plastic uh, half cup on it. Put the ball in. And basically, you just swing as hard as you can because you're hitting that back plastic. It, it doesn't, doesn't aims, matter where you slice. It aims the ball. <laughs> it's, it's just boom. Whatever I've never pressure heard of those never before. Heard of Fuck no. Yeah, I got like a handful of those things. You can buy them at like four or five packs. You probably go on Amazon. And literally, you can just run up and Happy Gilmore the stupid thing. So I uh, probably once every round of golf, I do Happy Gilmore because I played hockey. So like that's yeah. my natural swing. Yeah. Um, and every once in a while, it's a hell of a shot. <laughs> Not usually, but every once in a while, you're like, just, "Damn, that's gonna was... make contact." Yeah. yeah, but yeah. So I'm sure I'm sure we can find that detail in a lot of things, right? Like the more high end you get, the more expensive you get, the worse it is for a beginner. But we have we have this idea that like you know we need the best equipment so that we can learn oh, on yeah. it. That's that's dumb. But golfing is is sitting in your backyard. I remember when I started golf because I had to for business. I'm like, well, the only way I can get better at this is just like, you know, going to the shooting range. So I bought a bunch of wiffle balls and you know what? I got better that one year that I was, you know, spending my weekends and even after work sometimes I'd have to hit like 50 to 100 balls into a net. But I would that muscle memory would carry over. I'm like, okay, I can address the ball. Yeah. But the minute I stopped, I didn't play for a couple of years after that. Now I'm probably I shouldn't even be on a mini golf course. So I'm, I'm spoiled. And this is probably actually, this has probably held me back in my life, but I'm one that I pick up probably the first 40 to 50% of pretty much anything I try and I get it. Like it just, it's just smooth. Like I didn't play golf for two. I didn't play golf for, and I don't play a lot. Like I probably played less than 20 rounds my whole life. Yeah. Um, But I picked up my clubs and went and golfed last year for the first time since pre COVID. Right. So like pre 2020. Yeah. And played a great, a great round for me. So like I, I, I'm spoiled at that because I've never, I get to that point. I'm like, all right, like I get to that 50 or 60% point and I'm like, all right, that's good. <laughs> like I never, I never <laughs> get past, this. I never get past that, that perfection. I never work on those fundamentals. Um, but it, on things like golf and, Music, I have zero ability, but I've always been spoiled, especially on physical stuff like that. Like I can pretty much pick anything up 
enough to oh, do it wow. decently, which yeah. spoils you. It really does. It gives you a fucked up mindset. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I got that or not. Yeah, and, and yeah. It, it's not a good thing. Um, but another story in this book is uh, Steph Curry, which Steph Curry's dad is an NBA player, right? Yeah. So Steph Curry's at a high school basketball camp when he's in high school and and this Alan Stein is one of the one of the trainers at this at this camp. And Alan talks in this story about how he could not take his eyes off the kid and nothing he did he was great at. Like he wasn't amazing at anything. But this entire camp he was there early. He was warming up, he was practicing, he was picking stuff up. He was like part of every part of the camp. And then every single drill, he would stop. If he messed up, redo it. Stop. If it wasn't perfect, redo it, stop, redo it. And he's putting in the reps and he, if he did something that he couldn't get, he would call a coach over. Hey coach, could you come help me? And he'd bring him over. Okay. What am I doing wrong here? Why, why aren't, why aren't I getting this? Like every single thing. And that was what this Alan Stein talked about seeing in Steph Curry was that, that mentality, that work ethic and that understanding of what it takes to be great. And then he, he gets deeper and this isn't, this isn't my thought process, but he gets deeper into why he thinks that is, is because Steph Curry grew up not with the idea of what you and I see in a professional basketball player, right? Like we see Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant and we see what they do and we're like, oh, they're great, right? Like they're awesome. He saw the hours and hours and hours and hours of practice that his dad had to put in. So he understood it even at at a young age. So he was doing, he was emulating that instead of, you know, the kids that are on the basketball court trying to do the in-air, you know, like we talked about trying to do the in-air moves like Michael Jordan without getting the fucking basics down, you know? Yeah. And that's what the league has turned into is everybody wants to score. Nobody wants to play defense, right? Yeah. But Michael Jordan was always about the, you know, you have to be good at everything, you know, be a basketball player. Basics. Like Michael Jackson, I've heard stories about Michael Jackson's dance floor in in his house that had. Were you one of the kids? Yeah, yeah, I was. I, dude, I was way too thick for Michael Jackson. He didn't like <laughs> he didn't like fat boys. Um, uh. But when when his house sold, I think, or maybe it was somebody that was there doing a um, um, an interview, they they saw his dance floor, and his dance floor had grooves ground into the wood because he would practice one move 10,000 times to get it perfect to build that muscle memory and we just don't see that we we only see the finished product and that that's why I really wanted to do this podcast was to try to get into everybody's mind out there like what what is your what are your goals what is your vocation what is your gift to the world and then what are the basics and how can we work on the basics, right? Like if you're an artist, you took art school, right? I, I only had art classes in high school. We were never taught like the specific finalities of art, like how to do it. Like I'm sure with painting, right? Like there's a specific way to make each stroke to create whatever look you're trying to look, whatever look you're trying to make, whether it's blending paints or, or shading or whatever. Like ours was like, this is a type of art. Now, you know, make your, your idea of that type of art. It was never like, these are the finite details of the basics of that art. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's kind of like those videos that you see or TikToks or reels that show somebody painting something, right? And when they start and it looks like nothing and you wouldn't expect it to look like anything. But uh, yeah, when you're taking art school or, you know, I graduated in graphic design, um, everything is based. There's basic elements to it, basic brush strokes. But the thing is, is uh, that I learned from that and I learned from sports and learned from, you know, what we talk about with, uh, you know, building muscle and dieting, right, is you have to fall in love with that process. You know, nobody likes the process of getting there. Everybody wants to go. But you have to fall in love with that process. And that's the thing with art. Um, you know, I'm a big ceramics person. You know, I like going to Door County, Wisconsin and visit, uh, you know, different places with the uh, the pottery. And it's it's not the pottery that I'm amazed at. It's picking up the pottery and looking at some of the imperfections or even some of the finger lines from you know, the pottery wheel. Because it it tells you a story about that process of that bowl or that that mug of how it was put together, and it's so much more amplified when you're actually doing it yourself and building it. So, yeah, it's yeah, it's hard to explain. But even we talk about sports, how how it is that every August for football, every actually every July now. Um, Every team goes to gets together in high school or colleges or what, and they do conditioning for about you know how many weeks. Well, every year they do that because you got to get everybody back in the basics, everybody back in that muscle memory of playing that sport in order to move on to the next level, in order to run plays and to you know put everything together in symphony. I mean that's everything in life, but you got to get past those dog days of whether it's summer or you know, dog days of pottery or dog days of painting something because, yeah, it takes a lot of time and it sucks. But somehow you got to realize you got to embrace the suck. I mean, think about it in the military. If you're not deployed, you're training. Unless you're in the, you know, the fucking Air Force or, you know, Marines or something. I think <laughs> we they... knock on the Air Force so much. <laughs> I feel they bad. Did the, they I the don't PJs. feel bad for those they guys. They the PJs. Oh, the PJs. Okay. I'm not going to knock on the PJs because... Those are guys that basically sign it all away and they usually don't come back. So, okay, I'll pick on the Marines. You know, okay. they like to take showers together and whatever tropical vacation deployments they get, you know, I'll leave it as that. Wow. <laughs> so, but either you're deployed or you're training. But that's the only way that when you get into a firefight, your muscle memory takes over. Okay. This isn't the movies where, you know, you got. Somehow you got guys like rolling on the ground and able to fire accurately. I don't know where that comes from. So yeah, I've never tried it, but I'm assuming it's not possible. Yeah, even when I picture it, I think we get that from uh, what's that movie? Mel Gibson was in there. Lethal Weapon. Yeah, he did it like I think in two of the movies. It's like he's literally rolling twelve feet across. And he's like hitting everybody as he's rolling on the right, ground, like just trying to get your sight picture, like. I- yeah. I'm just thinking about trying with, to find a, a sight pistol. picture while this I'm This isn't a rifle. This is a pistol. And he's hitting stuff. It's got to be 100 plus feet away. I can't hit shit standing still at 100 yeah. feet with a fucking pistol. Yeah. And rolling on the ground. Uh, yeah, I don't. So, yeah, your muscle memory takes over when you're in a battle. So, hence, same with life. Yes. Anything that you do a thousand times, 
it's going to, you know, it's going to give you some payback. So, yeah. And there was something I was going to say when you started knocking on the fucking <laughs> Air oh, Force. I'm oh, sorry. What are the Air oh, Force do? Random offshoot. If you haven't read the Goggins book, Goggins originally um, was at this camp and there was a there was a PJ there and he had this awesome story about this guy and he this guy had had been I don't remember if he was training or he was supposed to be doing some jumping at a base but anyways he was at a base and there was two younger guys that were with him and he just uh, uh, small talk basically was t- telling these guys how to do a trick like he had learned how to do a trach and he was just excited to like talk about yeah. it. Right. And he was telling these guys like, okay, you know, this is how you, this is how you do a trach that next day he had to do his jumping and his chute failed to open. And the same guys ended up having to do a trach on him to open his airway and it ended up saving his life. Oh, wow. I remember that. Like that story is crazy. Like how fucking ironic that he was just randomly, you know, and not like he didn't, he's not like teaching them how he's just kind of talking them through it, you know, like, Oh, this is what you do. Yeah. And then the next day his chute doesn't open and he crashes to the ground and they have to do a trach to open his airway. Jeez. Wow. Did he not do it? Yeah. I don't yeah, think who knows a- what happened, right? Like, I don't know what happened that he, that he came crashing down, but yeah. it was, but just the idea of how the irony of that story. Yeah. Yeah, and even just, uh, you know, with jumps, there's a process to it. So, yeah, there's a very low percentage that your chute doesn't open, but you have a secondary. So if your primary doesn't open, there you have to cut away. But the cutaway is a very step-by-step process that if you do not do it correctly, you're pretty much, you know, pancake. So, you know, it's everything in life. If you practice it enough, you're going to get in that situation where that flight that stress, that anxiety is not going to take over and you can walk through the processes before you, you know, hit the fucking ground. So, and perfecting the fine, basic details, right? Like getting so in depth into the details that when you put 25 perfect things together, it creates a masterpiece versus 25 has it's the idea of compounding right like if i if i have 25 steps and i fuck up a little bit 10 percent on each step by the time we add all those up that's a big fuck up yeah versus 25 perfect things added up create a perfect masterpiece yeah you're correct and that's just that symphony right and that and that was that's another thing that i have on my notes from this is a musician right? Like a world-class musician listening to you or me play chopsticks or a simple tune, right? Like Mary had a little lamb. We can can knock it out to the point that you can understand (laughs) what it, you can understand it. Right. But you listen to that, to that world-class musician playing. It's the same fucking song, same chord progression, but everything, their pauses and their, their, uh, transitions and everything is so perfect. Like when you think about a, 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 a high school kid playing or even a, a middle school kid playing a violin, right? It's like, you know, oh, yeah. versus like a, a violinist and, and they're, they're, you know, whatever they do with their fingers to make the, the note sound just a little bit deeper. Yeah. And it's like, like that idea is like understanding the basics so much. And, 
then compounding them together to make something perfect. And this is like, this is in your daily job. Like this isn't, we talk about NBA and musicians and all this shit, but like the reason I wanted to do this podcast is because this extrapolates into everybody's, everybody's career or everybody's art or everybody, whatever you want to do with your life, whatever your goal is, you know? And it makes me think about like my interviewing abilities and my communication abilities and my, my podcast prep and like all this stuff, like every, I need to get better at all of it for this to blow up and and get huge. And we're making little tweaks every time and we're improving, right? Like people didn't like that. We necessarily just bullshitted about, Oh, I'm, this is what I did this week when I was lifting. So we we got rid of that, you know, like we're trying to improve everything a little bit. And then in an, in a year or two, maybe it is a hundred thousand downloads an episode, you know? Yeah. Well, it's like you're saying with, uh, with music. So that little thing you're talking about, Cause you know, I know how to play some instruments. Okay, all right. So it's called progression, but it's like anything else in life. You know, I always look at it as, as like exercise. You know, you have to be able to take all these elements, put it together, and it becomes a progression. You know, the faster and the smoother it gets. And you know, for those, you know, this is a time of year where you see a lot of people come to the gym. It's like this morning. I swear, I looked around and I didn't know anybody. Yeah. They're all new people. Um, but you see that that person that, you know what, is probably 300 pounds. They come in there and they want to do something. And they're actually, you know, putting the effort in and and learning. And they got their phone up and they're looking at YouTube. And I'm like, wow, for, you know, a beginner, that was a pretty good squat. Yeah. And even if it's just with the bar. But you know what? I love seeing that progression from... Whether if they're still there in October and they're dieting right and just to see, because I know there's one gal um, that we know that comes in there that I remember was, it was heavy. And, you know, now I think she, I think she might compete. Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, yeah. I, just, I, I walk up to like, especially people that people that you could see were probably uncomfortable to start coming. Right. Like they're yeah. not, they're not gym people. Like there's a couple that I'm thinking of specifically that come in the morning and they're older and both bigger and they've been coming steadily for six months now. And I walked up to them the other day. I'm like, Hey, you guys stuck it out. Like I'm, I didn't say I was proud of you guys, but I'm like, you know, you see people come and go, but you guys have been here yeah. and it's, it's your habit now. And it's awesome. Yeah. And just some, you know, just little things like that. Like those, they are there every day. Yeah. And eventually, I mean, some of them fall in love with the process because they see how it changes them for the better. I mean, there's nothing negative about it. I mean, we might wake up in the morning and be like, oh, shit, I don't want to go in. But I don't think there's ever a time where I've left the gym and thought, you know, well, I regret going in. Yeah, never. I mean, how many years? Never once. So. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, fall in love with the process. And the process in everything. And then that's I just want to reiterate that, like, if you're I mean. If you're an accountant, right, like perfecting your basics, perfecting, you know, I mean, I'm, I have no idea what accountants do. So, like, this is going to be impossible for me to give you an idea of what it is. But, you know, right, like I'm sure everything changes every year because tax code changes every yeah. year. And, you know, are you just waiting for the information to get sent down to you or are you actually, you know, are you reading what that means and and talking to people about it and figuring out the basics of the new tax code or whatever? And it's in every firefighters, right? Like there's so much 
that is nuanced, right? Do you just spray the fire with the water? No, like there's so many different techniques and so much different stuff to do there. And, and you have to know all the basics of all these career paths to become, you know, amazing at it. Yeah. That's everything in life. Cool. I think that is about everything. Oh, one more idea was basically just that like 80% of being extremely effective, I think comes from mastering the basics. I think there's another 10%. um, Once you master the basics, you're able to string them together. And then the last 10% is like extremely advanced skills and perfected equipment. But like that last 10%, you don't, need to get to that level to be really proficient at something you need to have the 80 percent of the basics figured out and just be so amazing at them right like an amazing you know puck handler and ice skater and you if you don't have the best stick or you don't have the perfect skates or you don't have the best slap shot like those things are all like cream on the cake, right? But if you're an amazing skater and an amazing puck handler, you're yeah. going to be a good player. Yeah. I think with training people in different areas of my life, yeah, there's a lot of people that have such an ego that don't like to hear the word basics. So, you know, for those of you listening out there, if you don't like the word basics and you don't want to tell people that I'm good back to basics, Tell them that, you know, you're working on the fundamentals. Fundamentals. There you go. Okay. Because that sounds so it much better. It does sound better. If you have an ego, that's way better. Yeah. So if you forget everything else, just remember that. Yep. Fundamentals. Fundamentals. <laughs> All right, y'all. We're going to wrap. Hope you guys have an amazing week. Sounds good. See you.